Hi, I'm Ben Felder, and this is COVID-19 in Oklahoma, a podcast from the frontier taking a closer look at the coronavirus's impact on our state. In today's episode, I speak with Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt about the city's shelter-in-place order, his work to try and stay on top of the virus, and the way he is communicating with residents. Today is Sunday, March 29th. Before speaking with Mayor Holt, here is the latest information out of the State Department of Health. As of Saturday, there were 377 confirmed cases of COVID-19 across the state, an increase of 55 from the previous day. 15 Oklahomans have also now died, an increase of seven, and there are 21 new hospitalizations, bringing the total to 126. You can find more COVID-19 coverage online at readfrontier.org, including maps and charts that are tracking the spread of the coronavirus across the state. And now, here's my interview with Mayor Holt, recorded on Saturday afternoon. So first, Mayor, you posted a video Saturday, just actually just a while ago, or just a little bit ago, before this conversation we're having right now, confirming what the city's shelter-in-place order looks like. And uh, mm-hmm. we're actually going to play the audio from that video after our interview, but can you give us a quick recap of kind of what you said today and what was, is, was there any new information in it? Yeah, well, I think so. Um, you know, we had been obviously moving independently from the state until Tuesday, and then the governor stepped in and and really deserves credit for, for taking some pretty strong action. Um, and as we analyzed his orders versus shelter-in-place orders in other cities and states, we found them to be very similar. But because he didn't use that terminology, there just was kind of a lot of confusion and you know, I have found in this exercise over the last two weeks that, you know, how we communicate things is probably more important than what our orders say, right? I mean, how many people actually pull up these proclamations and read them? You know, they're looking for clear direction. They're looking for clarity. And and they have a pretty good sense of what shelter in place means, you know. And I think there's, uh, you know, an understanding that that means you stay at home unless you've got an essential errand, uh, essential job, um, or you need some physical exercise. And, we just felt, uh, both my public health officials and also myself and also Mayor Bynum in Tulsa, as the week progressed, we felt like that message was being lost um, because that shelter-in-place terminology had been avoided. Um, and we were, you know, I was at City Hall, we were doing research, and we were finding that 43 of the nation's uh, top 50 cities are currently operating uh, under a shelter-in-place order. And it was debatable whether we counted as 44 and Tulsa being 45 if we didn't say it. You know, we really hadn't said those words. And so what we did today was we just made it official. We made it clear that we're a shelter-in-place city. Um, We And formally, we incorporated the governor's orders into my proclamation. That also allows for local enforcement. Um, And I guess, you know, I guess it's also fair to say that we've, extended his order to stay in your home to all ages. Um, whereas, you know, technically that would be one differentiation you could have made perhaps about his orders of Tuesday was that, you know, they, the, the order to stay in home only applied if you were over the age of 65. The functional reality is that if you've closed everything, there's nowhere else for you to go, regardless of how old you are. But 
we kind of wanted to make that a little more uh, clear and, and a little more formal. And so simultaneously, Mayor Bynum and I, on the recommendations of our public health officials in our respective cities, uh, made that announcement around noon today that Oklahoma City and Tulsa are now sheltering in place. Yeah. A, a day after the governor made that order, he uh, clarified some aspects of what essential businesses include that seem to have a, a pretty wide scope. Do you still do you feel like that still is in line with the orders here in Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Uh, yeah. Well, I think the um, the exceptions list and I should say both of our orders at this time reflect the governor's orders. Um, I think we're going to keep looking at that exceptions list and, and kind of just see um you know what's best for public health and we certainly reserve the right to pull back on some of those in Oklahoma City and Tulsa um you know but we we're kind of still monitoring it and and it's also you know it's important to rem- to remember like how far we've come in limiting yeah. the opportunities for spread you know it, it it can get easy to kind of fall into a a, a twitter um rabbit hole and start arguing about you know this this one office or this this one uh you know retail business or, or uh, a golf course, although I closed golf courses today, but, um, you know, and, and not, and kind of forget the big picture that we have closed, you know, theaters and all events and all gatherings and, and dining restaurants and bars and schools and, you know, the sum total of what has been done in this state cumulatively across multiple levels of government um, is reduced the opportunities for, for spread of COVID-19, you know, by a major factor, um, and and we're probably not going to change the game um, with anything we do from this point forward from a from a city you know ordinance per, you know city regulation perspective. What's going to change the game and keep things moving in the right direction at this point is really individual action that we mm-hmm. that we and I've said this repeatedly because I don't want people to you know to have any illusions about this. You know we can't make individuals really do anything you know i mean this is a free society we've got to continue to reason with them we've got to continue to ask them to be partners with us in these shelter at home um you, you know uh, orders and um and that's what's going to change is is and help us uh, in this pandemic is people and their individual activities keeping distance staying at home uh, if at all possible um and and you know you, you can only fix so much with with proclamations you yeah. know? And so we'll from here forward you know i think our biggest priority is 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 reasoning with people sharing facts with them helping them understand and helping them communicate to their spheres of influence how serious this is and and what they need to do to stop it yeah you've worked pretty closely with mayor bynum in tulsa why has it been important for you guys to be not just on the same page with what you're doing but in, in some ways kind of mirroring each other's actions um, step for step. Well, I think it's um, you know it's it's an interesting dynamic. You have these two large cities, um, and 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 every other city is is much 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 smaller. You know, it's a distant third after those first two. And we've always been viewed as the two leading cities in in the state. And especially, you know, we we're only ninety minutes apart. You know, as as has been documented over the last couple of years, we're longtime friends. Um, it just seemed very early on, it was obvious that if, if one of us did something and the other didn't do it, that would be odd. I mean, you, you know, you'd have to, the, the one not doing it would better have a good reason for explaining why the people in his city are somehow more immune to COVID-19 than the people in the other city. You know, I mean, we're not, this isn't a comparison between Oklahoma City and Los Angeles, because you could, you could make reasonable arguments that were at different uh, places in the narrative, you know, that we, we, we 
got the, the virus at different times, but Oklahoma City and Tulsa are pretty much operating in the same ecosystem, uh, both legally and in the in the virus uh, environment. So, you know, I think just early on, it was just obvious we gotta we gotta coordinate. And you know, in that first nine days, we were kind of on our own, um, and now we're we feel partnered uh, more so with the state. And, and that everybody's doing stuff. But at the same time, I mean, if we if we feel like we got to do what's best for our community, we've made it clear from the very beginning, we're going to do that. Um, but obviously, we've also decided if we're going to do what's best for our community, we probably need to have a conversation with the other mayor um, because uh, what's best for Oklahoma City is probably going to be what's best for Tulsa. And what's best for Tulsa is probably going to be what's best for Oklahoma City. So let's talk through that and, and see if we can't come to the same conclusion at the same time. Yeah. What's been your uh, philosophy and how you've communicated over the last couple of weeks with residents? I mean, you I think you said earlier that you rarely write your speeches. I think that you'd said that to uh, Dylan mm-hmm. here at the Frontier and for a story he was working on. But you've done that this week. And it, it just seems like your 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 speeches, your addresses, your messages maybe have a little bit more. I don't know. They just, they just seem different this week. And part of that maybe is because you are writing them and maybe they have, I don't mean this to sound that you didn't, that you lacked us earlier, but they have a little bit more heart. Right. And these are definitely trying times. I mean, so the, the occasion, you know, changes that, but what's kind of been your philosophy in when you take this opportunity to talk with citizens, whether in a press conference or, or issuing a video like you did Saturday? Yeah. Well, as I alluded to earlier, communication is such a critical part of this, and and the residents don't get to talk to the director of the city county health department every five minutes like I do. So, you know, they, I gotta can, I gotta be pushing that information out, and I've got to push it out in a way that's organized and clear. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've told you in the past, you know, I never write speeches other than my state of the city addresses, and 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 maybe that's just maybe that that's right in line because my state of the city addresses are very important. They have a very broad audience. Um, and there's a lot of information and it needs to be organized and communicated well. And so that's why I write it, you know, and I can't just talk off the cuff, uh, in, in that forum. And I think that's kind of how I felt these last two weeks that, um, there's so many different concepts that need to be presented. They need to be presented in an organized way. Um, that just trying to speak off the cuff is not, is not the best, uh, you know, approach. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've spoken, I guess now, uh, what is it? Maybe uh, two or three times. I'm, I'm sorry, it's such a blur. <laughs> two or three times, you know, um, in a press conference format, and now today on video. And yeah, in every case, I wrote them because I just thought it was that important to sort of make sure that I thought of everything that I needed to say and communicated it effectively. And, um, you know, obviously, I try to. I'm also conscious that communication um, is is lessened when you're just staring at a piece of paper. So, you know, I try to, I try to learn the, remember the lessons of high school drama and look yeah. up at the audience. And, and, you know, <laughs> and in this case, look at the, look at the camera on, on the laptop that I was recording my video today on. So, you know, it's all, so all, all of my professional career in some ways has, has prepared me to, to try to do my best in this situation and continue to share information and do so in a way that is accessible um, the most important thing above all, though, is, is that I'm constantly communicating. So maybe I haven't done, you know, speeches and videos every day, but if, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I'm posting, you know, at least every day and trying to do kind of an almost sort of a touchstone with the numbers. You know, you've probably seen that, you know, it's always, okay, today's numbers are this. Um, and then, you know, kind of work in some other messages and maybe share, you know, the, the web link one more time to basic information about COVID-19 and then, you know, supplement that with other news as it comes up, but just constantly being in communication. I mean, I think that social media for me has become the, the modern, uh, you know, daily press briefing. 
um, which is also, you know, the complications of an actual daily press briefing are, are uh, compounded in this situation by the fact that we can't really even, it's inadvisable for us to get in a room together, you know, so even when we have been doing press conferences in the last week, and obviously you participated in one, it's kind of this weird, awkward over the phone thing or whatever, but, um, you know, and that's not to say we should say that, I'm just saying it's, it's complicated. So, um, but I'm, you know, obviously open to the media, this conversation is an example, and um, and, you know, I'm also very accessible via social media to all kinds of questions. And I've been really trying, it's been hard because there are, I'm inundated with more, you know, direct messages and comments than I've ever been probably in my mayoral career, but I'm trying to answer all the, you know, all the rational ones that I possibly can, um, to try and address any questions or concerns that people have. Yeah. What I'm sure like many of us, the days are just kind of blurring together. I, I kind of was grateful mm-hmm. today for the, the tornado siren test because it just reminded me that it's Saturday. So just kind of a difference in the day. But what what yeah. does your what is your day kind of looking like? I mean, who are you talking to and where are you getting your information? Um, you know, uh, there's a constant uh, like nonstop information stream between me and Patrick McGough at the city county health department. Um, similarly, uh, similar constant you know, communication between me and the city manager. Um, and then in addition to that, I think it's, it's, it'd be hard to categorize. It is just a uh, miscellaneous hodgepodge of communications that occur over the course of the day. I'm holding my phone, you know, every minute of the day. I'm, I, you would think, uh, you know, by virtue of COVID, all of my appointments were canceled, you know, weeks ago, right? Like I haven't had a scheduled appointment, you know, for for two weeks and, and who knows when I'll have another one again. And you would think, man, or canceling all those meetings sure must free up your schedule. But in reality, it's been replaced. Uh, and then some with just a, a never ending stream of communications, whether it be phone calls, whether it be texts, whether it be any, any other 50 ways that, you know, that people communicate and, um, and just resolving all those issues. Uh, you, it would be impossible to, to remember all the, miscellaneous things that get brought to my attention, you know, I mean, questions of, of regarding my proclamations, questions regarding somebody wanting to make a donation of dollars or of materials, questions about testing, questions about, um, you know, just needing guidance. And it may not be anything I even understand or know, but I, I can, maybe I know who they can talk to. Also, you know, on a totally different track, I mean, there's this track of obviously dealing with the triage of COVID-19, but there's also a track of how do we respond, you know? And so you saw us roll out yesterday, uh, um, you know, a small business support package at the city level that we're going to consider at Tuesday's council meeting. So, um, and, and we have found, which is something I probably already knew, it's surprisingly, you can do all of this just holding your phone and sitting wherever it is you're sitting, whether it be your house or your office, you know? So, I've been home uh, most of the last few days, um, but it doesn't even feel like it because yeah. <laughs> I'm working so hard. It doesn't really matter where I am, uh, and I'm sure everybody's learning that. I, I think there'll be some interesting um, remote working uh, evolution that happens pretty quickly after this is all over as people realize how much they really can do away from the office. Yeah. Um, just two more questions for you. Um, yeah, sure. One, I'm curious, are you, are you paying much attention to – what's happening in other cities like New York or New Orleans or what was happening in Seattle. I mean, there's, you know, hopefully those are exceptions and and we're taking the proper precautions to avoid that kind of fate. But then who knows, Mm -hmm. maybe they're just the first, you know, are you, 
I know those yeah. cities are very different than Oklahoma City. Everyone has got their own kind of unique setup, and it's hard, obviously, to compare Oklahoma City to like New York City. But are you are you paying much mm-hmm. attention to how mayors are handling those and city governments are handling those situations and thinking ahead about what worst case scenario here could look like for you and, and city government? Yeah, I mean, I use them as cautionary tales. You know, many of those cities, um, this happened to them earlier, and you know, the, the world just hadn't quite accepted the dangers of COVID-19 and fully internalized them yet. And so they didn't do the things that we've done as quickly as we did them. And I can, you know, I I always want to point out, it's not because we're so smart in Oklahoma City, it's because we had their examples. And so, you know, if you actually charted, you know, how many days it was from New York's first case of local spread to the closure of bars and restaurants and so on, you know, it's a much larger number of days than it was here. We we had our first case of local spread on the 15th, and we closed bars and restaurants on the 17th. That was 48 hours. Um, you know, we canceled events the day of uh, that first case of local spread. So, you know, here we are. We're shelter, you know, officially sheltered in place, I guess, uh, 13 days after our first case of local spread. One could argue we sheltered in place about nine or 10 days after our first case of local spread, um, depending on how you interpret the governor's orders. But um, again, those are all much swifter actions that were done in some of these other cities. So that's what I try to take away from it is just move faster. Um, don't don't wait around too long. I mean, you had to wait for, for there to be cases. I mean, you know, there was no, and the public health officials just felt there was, there was simply no historic precedent for shutting the city down before you even had COVID-19. But the moment we got our first case, I mean, it was hours. We we were declaring an emergency. We were waiting for that, you know, and uh, we knew it was going to happen eventually. And and hopefully, you know, we've taken actions that will uh, allow us to not be in those those dramatic situations that these other cities are in. But we're already going to be in a bad one. I mean, and that's kind of maybe we're learning that's it's almost unavoidable. But um, at least without you know mass testing or other measures that could have could have helped us, but those, some of those things are out of our control. Um, you know, I, I, I remind you, you know, the numbers in Oklahoma City are not quite per capita what L.A.'s at today, um, but they're per capita where L.A. was at like three days ago, mm. you know, so um, they're pretty serious. I mean, these numbers are, are um, concerning, to say the least, um, and, you know, you you don't really get to see the fruits of your labors for a couple of weeks. And so now we are, um, you know, as we sit here today, we're, um, you know, about 15, I'm sorry, about, you know, 10 or 11 days beyond the closure of bars and restaurants. So, um, you know, maybe we start to see, um, you know, soon the results of what we've done, but it's not immediate, you know, it takes weeks for that all to play out because of the incubation period of the virus. So um, right now we're sort of living in, um, you know, the world of two weeks ago, in a sense, you know, and, and that was before we even declared a state of emergency. So anyways, that's, uh, that's the long answer to your question. Yeah, I mean, we definitely look at cities for best practices. And we also try to improve upon their response time. Yeah, you know, in this, what feels like a parallel universe, because of this pandemic, if this wasn't the case at this time, I mean, we'd be we'd be entering a, a pretty busy spring season in the city. Uh, the first full summer mm-hmm. with the new Caesar Tail Park, a new convention center that's getting ready to come online. Um, I'm also mindful of the fact that we would be, you know, next week is the start of April, and we'd be entering probably a, a period of time where there'd be a lot of attention on the 25th anniversary of the bombing, and obviously mm-hmm. the 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 live 
they've, they've changed the, the ceremony to, to no longer be this mass event and they're going to record it. Um, mm-hmm. kind of, can you kind of talk about the importance of this year? I mean, 25 years, it's probably the last kind of major milestone, you know, until 50. I mean, of course, 30 and 35, the way that we kind of count these, these milestones, I mean, mm-hmm. 25 is a big one and kind of the last for a while. And, and a lot of people in the city who weren't here for the bombing or, or were too young to remember, um, can you kind of reflect on what April is and is there, is there going to be mm-hmm. an ability to, to pay tribute to this, even in the midst of, of what we're dealing with? Well, it'll be different. There's no question about that. And I've said uh, kind of piggybacking on what you just said, I have said that this is really the last time I think that the nation's eyes would turn to Oklahoma city for the purpose of, of remembering the events of the bombing in 1995 you know, now it's debatable, you know, whether the eyes will turn in the same way. But um, but as you move past 25, you know, uh, experience kind of becomes history. And, you know, this type of experience is not going to be um, noted as, as much at 50 years as it would be at 25. It just becomes a historical event. Um, and so this was definitely a critical year for remembering it and, and uh, you know, uh, trying to continue to push forward the lessons of, of April 19th, that violence is not the answer, political violence especially is not the answer, and that uh, dehumanizing each other ultimately leads to that. Um, those are the lessons I take from the bombing and from the memorial, and, and I, I hoped that April of 2020 would be an opportunity to really take those lessons you know, to a national level, at least for one day, if not for a little longer, you know, again, COVID-19, obviously, it is what it is, and uh, we'll do our best, um, you know, uh, to, to push that message out, and we'll certainly do all we can to honor the the victims, the survivors, and the, the first responders here in Oklahoma City, again, with the caveat that, unfortunately, we can't gather, we can't hug each other, we can't uh, physically, um, you know, honor them, but um, we'll continue to think through all that, I'm sure. Carrie Watkins and their team at the Memorial are fantastic and have been very proactive in this whole crisis. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know what they'll put together on April 19th will be wonderful. This video they're going to make that, that will be the substitute for the ceremony. And in many ways will probably be more, um, compelling than the, than the ceremony, you know, as you watch it on TV, but, um, but it's different and, 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 you know, we should do everything we can to make sure that the moment isn't missed. Um, in the midst of all this. So we certainly, as the weeks go on, certainly try to emphasize it. My hope is that, you know, this has reached its peak by that time. And and if we're not, um, you know, actually out and about, which is probably unlikely, that we're at least, you know, in some kind of new normal and we sort of stabilize, you know, and, and we can think about things like that. And, you know, right now, this first two weeks for me has been such triage, it's hard to think about anything else. Um, but, you know, after today and shelter in place, I mean, as you and I talked about earlier, we can still look at some, you know, rolling back some exceptions and some other things, but, you know, largely at the city level with the, the with, you know, uh, the closures we've already done from that perspective, the perspective of limiting the opportunities for spread, we, we've kind of done 98% of what we can do at this point, And now we just have to hunker down, um, and try to, uh, and try to make sure that, that we execute it properly. And so it's more about just messaging it and communicating with people now forward. Now there's a whole nother element of this. It's a little um, far more out of my control, but not something I'm just interested in. And that's if we do get inundated and we do have a healthcare system that's collapsing, um, you know, 
that's going to be uh, at some level on the mayor's plate, even though I don't control hospitals, I don't have any of those things. I mean, I've got to be involved in that conversation if we're having to, you know, supplement um, our healthcare system some way. If we're opening up, you know, extra, you know, makeshift hospitals, all that kind of stuff, I'm sure I'll be a part of that conversation as well. We hope that that's not where we're headed because of what we've already done. But anyways, all of those things could potentially be distractions day for my team, but I will do everything in my power as mayor to make sure that we focus that day on, on the victims, their families, the survivors, the first responders, and the lessons that, that we hope that we locally and nationally can take away from that event. Yeah. Well, Mayor, I want to say thanks for taking time on a Saturday, but uh, I'm not sure that means as much they, they have no meaning anymore but but no. thanks for taking time nonetheless <laughs> and, and, and appreciate you sharing and uh just uh the best of luck moving forward well same to you thanks for thanks for the role that the media plays in all of this and, and getting the, the news out and uh you're you're as much a first responder as anyone else so thank you for that and uh, thanks for the time today On Saturday afternoon, Mayor Holt posted a video outlining the city's shelter-in-place order, which is similar to the one that was announced in Tulsa. Here's the audio from that video, which Holt recorded from his home. Hello, Oklahoma City. I am speaking to you from my home on a Saturday. This in and of itself is a symbol of the extraordinary times in which we live. It was less than two weeks ago when we received news of our first locally transmitted case of COVID-19. We know from the experiences of other cities that if we had not acted fast, we would have had no escape from a terrible loss of life and a collapse of our healthcare system. And so we declared an emergency and used those powers to address the high risk activities where the virus is most likely to spread. These were lessons learned from other cities and from our own city's reaction to pandemics of the past. On Tuesday of this past week, Governor Stitt went much further, closing all non-essential businesses and activities, and he did so uniformly across the Oklahoma City Metro. I continue to commend him for those actions. Our legal team has analyzed his orders all week and found them to be largely in line with the so-called shelter-in-place orders we have seen announced across the country. In fact, 43 of the nation's 50 largest cities now have a shelter-in-place order in effect. However, the avoidance of that terminology this week has created some confusion in Oklahoma City. More on that in a moment. On Tuesday, I told you that I was formalizing my consultation with public health officials and creating the mayor's COVID-19 Public Health Advisory Group, led by Dr. Patrick McGough, director of the Oklahoma City County Health Department. I have asked them to communicate regularly, up to every 24 hours, and continue to reassess our city's risk profile for the spread of COVID-19. One thing we both understand, they as public health officials and myself as mayor, is that you, the people of Oklahoma City, need clarity. You want to stop the spread of COVID-19 as much as we do. You need us to speak with a unified voice and a clear voice and give you the public health experts direct guidance as to what you should do. As such, my public health advisory group has recommended to me that Oklahoma City incorporate the governor's orders of Tuesday into my proclamation and that we clearly articulate to you that our community is now officially sheltering in place. Mayor Bynum of Tulsa and I have been communicating about this as well, and he is making this same announcement simultaneously right now in Tulsa. I have also shared this information with our neighbor cities in the metro. Out of the nation's top 50 cities, Oklahoma City and Tulsa 
are now the 44th and 45th to take this step. Incorporating the governor's orders into mine also allows us to enforce them locally. I have signed this revised proclamation and these new measures take effect at midnight tonight. What does all of this mean? For a greater level of detail, visit OKC.gov to read the proclamation and our FAQs. But let me try and summarize here. Shelter in place means, just as we have been saying since the governor's orders on Tuesday, you should stay home. However, you can go out for essential errands, such as groceries, takeout food, medicine, doctor's visits, and other essential shopping and tasks. You can also leave to go work in an essential job. You can also leave for outdoor exercise. When you leave for any reason, practice social distancing. You don't need any special papers or IDs to leave your home. This is what shelter in place looks like in other American cities. On Tuesday, I spoke to the realities of living in a free society. Only you can force yourself to stay in your house. I wield a pen, not an army. Have you seen the funny videos of Italian mayors yelling at their constituents to stay home? They may be funny, but sometimes that's all we've got. You have to be my partner as we shelter in place. If you're waiting for an armed soldier to stand in your front yard, that's not going to happen. I come armed only with facts. People are getting sick and people are dying. I don't want you to be one of them. And I don't want you to be a carrier that spreads the virus to others. Just use common sense. As of today, the Oklahoma City Metro has 164 cases and eight deaths from the virus. Those numbers more than doubled between Tuesday and Friday this week. COVID-19 is very real and the public health experts in this community are telling you how you can avoid it. We ask that you heed their call and you stay at home. We don't yet know how long this new normal will last. To some extent, that depends on the virus. To some extent, it depends on you. The sooner the virus stops spreading, the sooner life returns to normal. But whatever the case, we'll adjust and we'll get through this together. Remember, an empty city reflects a people who love each other so much they are saying, staying home to save one another. As I said on Tuesday, the emptier the city, the fuller our hearts. Stay home, Oklahoma City. Be well. And that's going to do it for today's episode. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you on Monday.